Welcome to The Recurring Plot, presented by Curb and Turf. On this show, we interview agritourism farmers, authors, leaders, and influencers who share their insights on growing and monetizing your agritourism business. Here's your host, Dustin Reed. Hi, this is Dustin from Curb and Turf. You're listening to The Recurring Plot. Today, we're going to be talking about different types of RV camping with Scott Hinchite. He's going to give us an insider scoop on his own experiences with RV camping. So thanks for joining us, Scott. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Why don't you tell those that are listening or those that are watching a little bit more about you, where where you come from, a little bit more about your family and your interests. Sounds good, Dustin. Yeah, we we both work for Curb and Turf, doing different aspects of the business as well. And, you know, I've been in web design for many years now, and I came to Curb and Turf through a mutual friend of ours. And it's been a great experience so far, been a lot of fun kind of learning how Curb and Turf works and being able to create some great tools for our software and our service. As for me personally, I'm an Idaho boy. I grew up in Idaho forever and haven't ever actually lived anywhere else. That might be a goal of mine at some point in my life. Have a couple of siblings and, you know, obviously some parents, go figure. Kind of how that works, I think. Anyway, my two siblings are, are way older than I am, so I ended up kind of being raised almost as an only child, which was a very interesting experience. Bringing us right back around to our actual subject here, we used to do some RV camping as I was a kid. So got into this job, of course, and decided to purchase my own RV myself here. So that kind of brings us to where we are today at the moment and yep. a little bit of why you're interviewing me, I guess, as well. Yep. And we'll get to that because we'll talk about obviously your experiences and what kind of led to your decision about purchasing the RV that you did. Scott, for those that don't know, can you describe what Curb and Turf is or what we do at Curb and Turf? Absolutely. So at Curb and Turf, our system is designed to connect a landowner with a person that owns an RV. The landowner benefits by being able to generate some recurring passive income by hosting an RVer at their site. And the RV owner benefits by having a unique place to stay or a great experience that would otherwise be inaccessible to them as an RV owner. Why is this platform important for RVers and for landowners? So this definitely solves a need for both groups. A landowner, of course, gets the way to generate some more income from a a piece of property that they already own and otherwise might not be as useful to them. Maybe it's a farm and they're building, you know, making some money off of the farm, but they can generate a little more income by just having a person stay there and generate that nightly income by an RV that's getting hosted, as well as maybe even selling some of their farm produce. For example, if you had a, a strawberry field, you could host RVers and then offer, say, five, ten bucks, give them a bucket and go pick your own fresh strawberries. An RVer would love that. On the converse side, an RVer, of course, needs to find a place to park their RV. That's the number one concern, and that's definitely the thing that I've experienced as a new RV owner is, where am I going to go? Where am I going to park this thing that I got? And what am I going to do or what am I going to see when I get there? Curb and Turf solves these problems by giving you a lot more information than you would normally have on a lot of other sites. Rather than having to just go out in the boonies and hope that you find a place to stay that nobody else has taken it, and who knows what you might find there, we provide a lot of information to an RVer where they can see pictures of the land that they're going to stay at, see some description of the services that might be available, whether that is a hookup, a plug, sewer connections, 
other a la carte things like firewood or like my example before, a, a cool experience where you can pick your own fresh strawberries. All these are great experiences and great things that, that give an RVer like me more confidence when planning a trip. And I think that's great for everybody. Yeah, I think it's it's awesome. I, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to jump on, you know, to this opportunity just because there is a, you know, there is a definitely need for both both the landowner and for travelers, for our viewers, really? because that's something that's lacking. And then our platform is different than others because obviously that we have competitors. So how would you describe the difference between us and our competitors, whether it's like a harvest host, that's the main one that probably comes to mind. Right. Most people are familiar with that, uh, that company as one of our primary competitors. One of the key differences for us, and it's really a benefit for the landowner a lot as well, as well as the, the guests too. We provide a service where you basically pay per night. So the income is always guaranteed for the landowner. And the location is always guaranteed for, for the end user as well, too. So again, it goes back to that, that confidence of, I know where I can go. I know where I'm, I'm going to be. And as opposed to something like Harvest Host, where they, they provide you a spot, but then you're highly encouraged to partake in whatever the, the landowner has to offer since money has already been exchanged as a, you know, as reimbursement for the land or the, the nightly stay, then there's not the added pressure of, oh, do I have to do this or do I have to tip or or do I have to whatever? You're, you're paying for a service and that transaction is complete. Anything else mm -hmm. is gravy for everybody. And so it's a lot more, a lot easier for the, the user to, to partake and, and really have a nice relaxing time to do it. Yeah, I agree. Because a lot of, like for those that don't know, like a harvest host, they have a subscription model, right? So basically you're saying you have access to their, their list or their, you know, published sites that they have. A lot of them are businesses and, but you know, you stay, you're allowed to stay there for the night, but like you're saying, sometimes you, you kind of have to, you know, buy certain items or you're encouraged to buy those items kind of thing. So we, that's one of the reasons why I love Curve and Turf, just because it's following that it's basically like Airbnb for our viewers to yeah. put up. It's the, um, the more pay per use model rather than the pay for subscription. Right now right. we've got so many subscriptions for everything. It's hard to justify another one. Almost. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anything. Exactly. Yeah. Cause you, I rather personally, I rather pay for a service I'm going to use because there's yeah. a lot of times where I have a subscription or something where it just, I could go almost a year, six months. I forget about it. Right. And so this is really an awesome option for people that are looking to get out, having a different experience where they're trying to really plan out a trip, especially during COVID, you know, that C word we probably shouldn't mention, but <laughs> during, you know, during the pandemic, we actually, there was a rise of RV sales. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but there's a huge spike in RV sales that meant a lot of people were wanting to go outside. They wanted to have those experiences because we're being cooped up in our houses, our apartments, our homes where, you know, we're missing out on experiences. Yeah. And so, the reason that I got an RV was for that exact reason. My wife came up to me one day and said, you know, 
in this time of COVID, we're not sure whether we're going to be able to travel. If we get an RV, we know we can go somewhere. And so she actually proposed the idea to me, which was really great. As you mentioned before, like you have some experiences when you're younger with your family going RVing. What were some of those experiences? What are those some early memories that you had? I'll tell you, tell you a little bit about my previous RV experience. So when I was a kid, my dad had a little 22 foot RV and we used to go camping mostly in kind of central Idaho, Sawtooth Mountain area. And that was a lot of fun for me as a kid. I'd, I'd go and I'd take my bike, I'd ride around the camp area, we'd go on hikes, we'd go dip in the river or dip in the lake or wherever you know we happened to be and just get away from things. And so I have really good memories of that as a kid going with my dad. Like I say, being in the in the back country, three miles away from civilization, running into a hornet's nest and going, oh, thank goodness that we're not allergic. So, because we all got stuck. <laughs> but so all kinds of good, good memories that you have as a kid too. So I used to do with my family, we would go to a place called Redfish Lake in Idaho. It's, it's really great little lake in Idaho. And we would plan a yearly trip where all of my family would take their various RVs and we'd all meet up there. We'd go boating on the lake. We'd go for hikes. We'd go see the, they had actually had different shows, I think at, at different times. So lots of great memories of RVing as a kid. So I, I kind of knew I wanted to do that again as an adult too. So right. that's how I got into it. That's cool. And so how has that heard you into RV ownership? That's a good question. So as a as a younger kid, of course, I didn't realize a lot of the things that went into it. However, I did have some idea. I was able to watch, you know, what it took for my dad to hook up our truck to our trailer and see some of the issues that he had doing that. I knew that when we went to the campsite and got set up, we had to set up the, the little blocks under the trailer so that it wouldn't bounce around so much because my mother would get motion sick. <laughs> so, you know, little things like that, that were some, some kind of hints that I knew that I knew I was going to have to deal with or that I knew that I wanted to look at going forward. So, for example, with the uh, stabilizing jacks, when I was looking for a camper myself, I found one where that system is built into the trailer rather than a separate piece that you have to set up differently, which is what I had as a kid. We had these little jacks that we'd have to put little boards down and then put the jacks up, make sure they were on the right frame and, you know, crank them up one at a time. It was quite the process. And now I have an electric drill that just lowers them down and I'm done and it's great. So that's awesome. Yeah. So how, how long have you had your RV? So I've had my RV for just over a year now. This is my second season with this RV and it's been fun so far. Challenging, but fun. <laughs> we'll get into that. So, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of RV do you have? What's like the make and model? Yeah, so I have a Keystone Hideout. It's a 174RK is the specific model. It's about a 20, 21 feet from the tip of the tongue to the back of the bumper on this trailer, about 17 feet inside. So it's a good little trailer for myself and my wife to go around and, and have some fun in. We can usually make it about two days off grid and otherwise, which is great for, you know, weekend trips. That's what we kind of wanted to do. So. Right. Oh, cool. So how frequently do you use your, your RV? Not as I'm frequently as I want to. <laughs> <laughs> is there a specific reason why that like, Usually life is in the way, unfortunately. So it does require a little bit of planning to, to get the trailer out. So if you're going to go somewhere, you need to know, okay, well, 
if I'm going off grid, I need to have my food. I need to get the trailer loaded up. I need to fill it up with water, make sure the tanks are empty. So there's a lot of prep to getting the trailer ready to go, especially off grid, even for just a weekend trip. So we end up going maybe once a month, usually in the summer weekend, in the summer weeks. Part of that is because we have other things we're doing too. We're not one trick ponies, I guess. So we do other things on the weekends as well. You like to fly fly planes as well, right? Uh, True, yes. So I do like to fly planes sometimes. And unfortunately at the moment, my plane does not neither fit inside nor on top of my trailer. So (laughs) maybe someday. Maybe someday, exactly. (laughs) So yeah, it's interesting just because I think that's a lot of people, right? Because I think life happens, they have, you know, an ideal thought or, you know, ideally they probably want to use RV more often, right? Right. They want to have more adventures or whatever, but just life gets in the way. But at the same time, when you are able to plan those things, it's great that we have the app like Curb and Turf. So for those that don't know, can you describe what exactly you do for Curb and Turf and kind of how that's changed since you started with us and kind of, I guess, the changes and Absolutely. things that you've been involved with. Yeah, so I got hired with Curb and Turf primarily as the app developer. So I developed the Curb and Turf app for both iPhone and Android. And when I joined, there was already a website that was kind of, not kind of, it was really well built, actually. And so I basically... I had the job of translating that into an app for iPhone and Android. And so I've been doing that for now almost two years and we've got a great offering, I think on the app store, I might be biased, but you know, I think it's pretty good. Since then I've of course expanded and I assist now a lot with the website and other updates to our services and our platform. And so it's been great. And I've, I've used a lot of that experience to go forward with my career as well as provide this really cool feature for Curb and Turf. That makes everybody's life easier, I hope, that uses the Bible. You definitely made our lives easier just by being on the team. Well, thank uh, you. Because <laughs> uh, we've seen the app grow like from nothing to, I think it was running within a couple months, to be honest. I believe and, I had it done in two months. We had a, yeah. a functional app that had most of the features of the website, which was pretty cool. Which pretty awesome. And we continue on adding features and adding features. That's something that we always strive for, which is we're always keeping the end users in in mind, especially the RVers when we're you know, if we're thinking about how, you know, what what specifically RVers need, especially in an yep. you know, in an app. And there's there's a lot more things we're we're wanting to to put through a lot of other features that we're looking to do as well in the future. Absolutely. Um, We've got goals of things we want to add and we go through and and test it all the time to see how it's working and to see what else we can do and what pain points there are for the users. If you guys haven't downloaded the app, it's available on on Google Play Store and also the App Store and it's free to download, free to use. That way, you know, it takes the guessing out of a lot of what you're doing as an RVer. You just take your car out and you just drive out into into nowhere and look at stuff and say, oh yeah, maybe in a couple of weeks I can try and get that site or... Because it's hard to figure out what site to look for sometimes because you don't know what's out there. That one looks okay. Maybe I can try that one out next time. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. So what are so what are some things that you typically look for in a, in a p- potential site? 
All right, and a potential site. There's a lot of things that you look for. Then the number one thing, whether it be a site that's out in the boonies or a site that might be on a service like Turban Turf, the number one thing is going to be safety. I want to make sure that whoever I take with me and wherever I park it, everything's going to be safe, you know, for me and anybody that comes with me. So that's my biggest thing, of course, is make sure that it's a site that I feel comfortable staying at and that I'm going to feel safe and actually, you know, sleep overnight kind of thing. So sometimes that's, you know, means that there are other people around if it's a little bit out in the boonies, which is kind of nice. So I like going out with, with friends as well. And so we'll basically share a campsite. So there's more than one of us there. And then other things that I look for, besides just making sure that the site feels safe to me, I like to look for sites, and this could just be me, but I don't think it is. <laughs> I like to look for sites that have good views, you know, good environment, um, somewhere that seems like it would be fun to go. For example, like Yellowstone would be an example of somewhere possibly fun to go. We have taken that trip in the RV. That was a lot of fun. And then we also look for what kind of services are either close to or at the site as well. So, you know, am I going to have an electrical hookup? That changes how I'm going to pack my camper. Or am I going to have sewer and water hookups or anything like that? That's going to change how I'm going to pack my camper as well. Is there gas nearby? Is there a convenience store nearby where I can get any supplies that I might need? What else is there to do nearby? Is there a, a golf course nearby? I might throw my golf clubs in, for example. Is it out in the mountains where there are biking trails? I'll attach my bike to the back of the camper. So all these details about what is in the site and around the site are very important for me determining how to plan and pack for a trip. And so that's something that is I think really great for one about curb and turf is that we can denote all those things that are either at or around the site within our, our site and our service. You know, you don't necessarily always see that on especially government campsites and sometimes even RV sites are a little bit ambiguous if you're talking about like an RV park. Most of them are pretty good, but some of them are a little bit like, hmm, I don't know. So anyway. Yeah. It's from what I've seen, it's, it, it's definitely hard to, it can be hard to pick out a site just because if it's like, you know, part of the government, if it's on government land, whatever, you're, you're going to be looking on different websites. You're going to be, so we try to get it all in one platform where we're trying to get it to be basically where it's one stop, you know, exactly. you're able to find what you're looking for. And so then that takes the guesswork out of a lot of things. So what, what are some features that that are on the app or that are on the platform that would benefit that benefited you or can benefit other RVers. Number one, pictures. <laughs> the more pictures, the better. Especially like if you're familiar with recreation.gov, which has a lot of their campsites on there. If you're lucky, you'll get a picture of the site. If you're lucky. Most of the time you don't. <laughs> so you have no idea what you're kind of walking into, which can be a little bit of an issue. And of course, you know, I'm sitting in my RV in suburbia and some guy with a weed whip decided it was time to do his lawn. He's literally right outside my door. So this is great. <laughs> well, I think, I think our, our viewers will understand we'll that. They, yeah, they'll understand because that right. happens on a daily occurrence. So if you don't know, RVs don't have as much insulation as a normal house and you can hear <laughs> <laughs> sure. One of, yeah, that's one of the downsides for having an RV. Yeah, a lot of But you can also isolate yourself 
if you're in the middle of nowhere. So that's yes. another feature. <laughs> yeah, so it, it is kind of funny. That would be another thing that, hey, I can I can use this to our advantage. That's another thing that I would look for. I stayed at an RV park once a while back, and there was a railroad track not three or 400 feet from that. Well, you know, that's not necessarily the end of the world. The problem was that the trains ran about three to four in the morning, and there was a crossing right next to the entrance of the RV park. So they just blare their horns right by the RV park, woke me up every night. So that can be an important thing to look for when you know where you're going and, and what you right. might have. In a house, you have a little more insulation, double-paned windows. You're not going to hear it as much. But in an RV, that's pretty loud. <laughs> so. yeah, that's why it's important to know your location or know where you're going to be going. Another cool thing that we have on our platform is that we give you, you know, what if, you know, what's the environment like, you know, can you hear noises? Is your, is your neighbor, how close is your neighbor kind of thing? Yep. So we have a lot of those features already built into the, the platform and the app and the website and everything We else. do. And some people that won't be a big deal. Some people it will. I'm a pretty light sleeper. So the noise <laughs> is one thing that I love about our app that we actually have that specified on whether it's going to be a quiet area or more of a suburban or even urban area where you're going to have more street noise and that kind of stuff too. So that's just going to fit the RV or with, with the land that's available as well. Just even that much better, which is great. Yeah. What other kind of bad experiences have you had with RV parks? Obviously <laughs> you've had the run in with the train or not the run in with the train. Right. I, I didn't, <laughs> but you, yes. yeah, but you've obviously involving dealing train. with noise. Yeah. Dealing with the noises with that train crossing. What other kind of bad experiences? Oh, let's see. Had? Other interest. Well, I'll go with interesting experiences. How about that? Yeah. Not necessarily Sounds bad good. because an yeah. RV trip is always an adventure. We'll put it that way. The first time we took this RV out, and we took it to an actual RV park. We plug in to all of our connections. We have our water, our power, our sewer. We get everything plugged in and we're sitting down at our table thinking about dinner and all of a sudden there's water streaming down one of the walls in the RV and we're like, what is going on here? And apparently whatever pressure was in the RV park had overpressurized the lines in our RV and we were leaking water through our RV. So we ran out really quick, disconnected the water, and, and decided that we were just going to fill up our fresh tank from their water connection and then work off of that, which did work. Ironically, this was the same place that had the train. But anyway. <laughs> and yet, I still would actually recommend this park because overall the experience wasn't that bad. But it did have a couple of caveats to it. We also took a, a fun trip to Yellowstone and got to experience thunderstorms in our RV for the first time. And that's a bit of an exciting experience as well. That was at an RV park. And this RV park was also right next to a highway. So again, road noise. That was another thing that we, we learned is that there's not, not a lot of buffer necessarily when you've got a highway next to you and you've got trucks cruising by at 60 miles an hour and you get used to it kind of after a little while other interesting experiences let's see i don't i don't think my other interesting experiences really involve rv parks at this point but i do have other ones too <laughs> so and i guess there's another side of rv parks too because some of them have rules where if your vehicle your recreational vehicle your rv is over 10 years they they don't some some don't allow you in some don't um, yes yes but that's another nice thing about our platform is that 
you know, if we do, if there are restrictions, you'll know straight off. Usually yes. we don't. I haven't, I don't think there is any that we, that I could think of on any of the sites that we've had. Yeah, I don't think anybody's actually implemented the 10 year old RV thing, but we have thinking about this. We have implemented some features that would help protect a host from sort of a junker RV situation like you're talking about there. Or potentially, you know, the other thing that we've we've tried to account for is somebody that would try and, and squat on your land as well, too. Both things that we would not like to see happen to any of our, our hosts offering their land. So we offer things like the ability to see the RV, get a picture of the RV that's coming to your place before you actually accept the booking as well, which which can help prevent those kind of situations, of course. Luckily, my RV is not 10 years old. It's, <laughs> it's fairly brand new. I got more comments on that one too. We can talk about it if we want. But my dad had a, an RV that I'm sure was probably over 10 years old and it was, it was fine. The only thing that didn't work on it was the furnace, but you know, we had blankets, so we were okay. <laughs> that's good, that's good. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes you just rough it. We went uh, camping a while back where we had a overnight that was below 30 degrees and our furnace didn't work. We found on our camper as well. So we had a pretty cold night that night, but luckily the next day, my buddy that we were camping with, which is why I like camping with a buddy. He had a generator and we were able to plug into his generator and we had a little space heater with us and that kept us warm all night. So well, sometimes when you're RVing, you just kind of roll with it and deal with the problems as they come. That's what you can yep. do. Yep. So exactly. So I think that's one of the things you have to do when you're RVing. You're just going to have to, there's going to be experiences you, you definitely don't plan for. And, and there's things that even with your own RV where like maintenance. So what kind of things have you had to maintain even, you know, even though you had your RV for a year, I know there's things that you've had to maintain, I guess, is the, yeah. not sure if that's the right word. That is a word. Yes. <laughs> so what are, th what are things that you had to get service for your RV or, some things that you've encountered with your own RV that you weren't. Yeah, let's, on, maybe. let's talk about that. So I've had some interesting, interesting things with an RV. And we talked earlier about COVID-19 and the proliferation of new RVs that have been sold. And so this might be a decent time to talk about expectations getting into RVs as well. I, as a kid, had really great experiences with my dad, who had his RV for many years, knew what to expect with it, knew what the problems were, and was will was capable of dealing with them and kind of had all that experience behind his belt of course i just bought mine recently and i bought it brand new so i didn't realize this when i bought it but apparently there's a little bit of a, a stigma i guess is the way to say it that new rvs are built really quick and they aren't necessarily built well sometimes <laughs> so luckily when we got our rv we had a decent warranty I think about the first three months we had our RV, it was pretty much in the shop the whole time, <laughs> getting all the little things fixed. Most of them are pretty minor, but you know, some of them were enough that you needed to, you know, they weren't things that we could take it out with. The most major thing we had is that the trailer that, or the, the frame that the trailer sits on, it's got some brakes on it, of course, since it's a little travel trailer. And when we first got the RV, we were driving it around and we had one of the brakes seize up on us. It was continually pulling the, the RV brake. And so we go around a corner and we just see smoke billowing from one of the wheel wells in the trailer. And I'm like, 
my wife's in the car with me. I'm like, we got to pull over. <laughs> we got to see what is going on. We get out and we just smell this burning metal on metal smell. And we're like, that can't be good. So we take it into the dealership. We luckily got it there before it burned itself up. And they had an, an issue with, they'd found an issue in the trailer frame with the braking system. So they replaced that for us. It didn't cost us anything, but that was probably the most major thing because we could have had a lot of issues with that if we hadn't caught that before. So yeah. one of the things we did before we went out was we literally camped in our driveway and tested all the things out. Like, does the furnace work? Does the stove work? Can we make meals in it and whatnot too? But luckily we drove it around town a little bit and found this brake issue before that became a problem. Yeah. So there's, there's all kinds of fun things when you get a new, new RV that you have to deal with. Well, that's probably a good idea for, especially for new RV owners or people that are looking to purchase an RV where, you know, just to test it out. Maybe some people don't have that luxury or even if it's, you know, if you have a friend that maybe it would allow, you know, you stayed on their property or whatever, and just, just to see what it's like, see if it's even for you. Cause that's a huge, it's a huge investment too. You know? So I mean, it's not only investment in money, time, you know, and like, you know, I can only imagine how, you know, <laughs> then the, the costs associated to, to that as well. Absolutely. So it was a big time investment. That was the biggest thing to kind of get everything ready and make sure we were ready for our first trip. Hopefully the guy mowing the lawn next to me isn't too loud. <laughs> Literally, he's like right out there. <laughs> Let me be joking. <laughs> you he's not a, at least he's not a riding lawnmower. He's probably going to be out there for Hopefully it won't take him too long. <laughs> If it were me, I'd go two rounds on the riding lawnmower. I know, uh, right? That's how I am. Uh, uh, yeah, this, I'm just going to do it. Yeah, it looks a little uneven. Yeah. I'll just go out again. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, the joys of, of hanging out here. Yeah, so we, we had, we've had good experiences with our RV overall, but there were definitely a lot more, there were a lot more glitches than we expected buying a brand new product. You know, we thought, oh yeah, we bought it, bought this deal. We can, maybe we can go out next week. And luckily our boss, <laughs> granted he said it jokingly, but he did give me a little bit of a heads up on that. So I was very happy about that. So I kind of pulled my expectations down to probably where they should have been. Now that everything is kind of worked out, we're getting a lot better at it and trying to figure out all these things. And, and it's a lot, lot easier than it was before. There's right. still some periodic maintenance. The biggest problem was last year when I had to empty the water system, especially the water heater, trying to figure out how to do that. Having never done that before, never watched my dad do that when he was, when I was a kid. So, you know, there's things like that that you're like, okay, YouTube, you are my friend. Maybe you can tell me how to do this. So there are some great, great videos on YouTube. There's great tutorials online, great tips and tricks. It's been fun and exciting and stressful <laughs> and all that, the things in between. That may be something that we might, maybe that's something we look into is somehow on our app or something where we could actually add how to, or, you know, make it kind of a, you know, people do have issues with RVs. Maybe they, you know, somehow, I don't know. Sure. That's just Absolutely. something maybe just came to my mind when you're talking to discussing like that, because YouTube is probably the best source for almost anything nowadays, yeah. just because, you know, you could find anything yep. on YouTube. 
Um, yeah, but I will tell you, when you're out in the back country, have no cell phone service, that's YouTube does not help you. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So maybe it would be nice to have something on our app if they, yeah. well, like maybe they wouldn't be able to use it. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there might be some options there. There might be to do some stuff do offline. Right. right. And, and the one thing we do offer, of course, is our checklists feature. And that mm -hmm. is helpful where you can customize your own checklist and, and make sure that you aren't forgetting anything. Because we've absolutely done that. I think almost every time, even with a checklist, we're like, oh, we forgot that. Like, we forgot the food. <laughs> we've done that before where we've gone out and we're like, we forgot our breakfast. <laughs> and... So we had to drive 10, 15 miles or whatever into a town to find some place we could get some breakfast. And right. anyway, so like I said, when you're RVing, you roll with the punches. Yeah. There's growing pains. There's growing learning. Pain. Yeah. Learning I had pain another experience where I, I could not get my trailer dehitched from my truck. So that was fun. It took me about four hours to fix it after having a long trip back after having a four hour drive. So you learn to roll with it. <laughs> the RV life. A lot RV. of people don't. Uh, yeah, it's just a lot of, a lot of investment. Like mm -hmm. as far as time and patience, that it, it, it is. It's so, worth it though, because there's places that you can't go any other way, and right. that experience I think is worth it. So yeah. for me, the cost does not outweigh the the fun, the benefit. Right. What kind of expectations did you have before purchasing your your RV? Oh, I figured it was going to be, I go down to the RV shop, they'll tell me what will actually fit in my truck, what I can actually pull with it, and they'll hook me up and I'll be able to take it out next weekend. That was what I thought would happen. <laughs> it ended up taking me two or three months to get everything worked out before I was able to actually go somewhere with it. So that was probably my biggest unexpected thing was the amount mm -hmm. of prep after getting a new RV. So this is why some people I've, I've found out suggest that you buy a used RV because these issues have been worked out already. So, but like I said, we initially had this axle issue with our braking system and that's something we don't want to go into the mountains without. <laughs> for so, sure. Yeah. So what advice do you have for someone that's new to like the RV life or looking to to get an RV? Oh, what advice do I have? Do a lot of research in advance, of course. And biggest thing I think is probably make yourself a list of what you want to get out of an RV experience so that when you go and look for an RV, you can find something that meets your needs. I think my wife and I did a pretty good job of this ourselves. We had a couple of things that we knew we needed. We knew we wanted an RV that had a good sized refrigerator. So in our little 17 foot RV, we have a, a six foot, six cubic foot refrigerator, which is a little bit bigger than most RVs of this size. We also have a, a separate, I think it's like three cubic foot freezer, which is also good. The only thing that we weren't able to get in this size or in our price range was a built-in oven. We do have a couple burners but in lieu of an oven, we were able to get kind of a portable grill and we can do most of our food prep on this portable grill instead. So we were able to kind of solve those needs, you know, separately. We also knew we wanted to have a decent bed, you know, not just like a bunk bed setup or a dinette that converted into a bed, which if I was younger, maybe I could deal with, but not anymore. <laughs> right. So, you know, we had 
some ideas going into it. And there are so many RVs. There are at least 20 or 30 different models of this make and model of the Keystone Hyundai. And that's just one brand, one model within that brand. So they come in every shape and size. They come in every price range too. So oh, how that has to do with the layout, right? It's just because yeah. they have, you know, and how it's laid out. So that's, yeah. So that's probably, you know, where you probably spend a lot of your research is how you want, what kind of function do you want within your RV and what's important to you? So yep. that's good that, you, you know, it sounds exactly. like you, that's you and your wife did. Whatever. That's what we did. And we, we did a lot of thinking about how we'd want to use it in transit. For example, this one does have a slide, which adds a lot more extra, a lot more space inside the RV. But the other nice thing about it is that when the slide is in, we can still get to the refrigerator. We can still get to the bathroom. So if we're traveling, we don't have to pull the slide out to do something, you know, to get to the fridge or to make a quick lunch or something like that, right. which is also great. So things like that, that you don't think about until you, you kind of, uh, kind of do it. So again, just, just research right. on what you can do. Yep. So, so what are some of your favorite experiences as far as camping and RVing? Sounds great. Yeah, let's talk about some of those. <laughs> I've had a lot of good times camping and RVing. With with my dad when I was younger, we used to do Redfish Lake, like I said, every year. I have a lot of good memories of doing that. We were we took a, a hike when I was a kid with my brother and my dad and my brother's wife at the time. And we were we were two miles in the backcountry and we hit this crazy thunderstorm all of a sudden come rolls in. And I don't remember if we had jackets or what we had with us, but we're like hiding under these trees and the thunder's cracking right above us. It's, it's like flash crack. I mean, it is right above us. So that was exciting. We got a little bit wet on the start of that one. And then we keep going after the thunderstorm moves on. We go about two or three more miles in the backcountry and we ran into this wasp nest. My dad got stung right between the eyes and I got stung right on my forearm, which wasn't nearly as bad as his, <laughs> but his eyes started kind of swelling up a little bit because oh, no. these were nasty backwoods wasps of some kind. They weren't just honeybees. So again, we were really glad that we weren't, weren't allergic or anything like that, but it definitely made for a more exciting adventure. We did make it the full six miles into the backcountry and found this glacial lake. And I mean glacial, there was snow. This is the middle of July and there's snow running right down into this lake. It was pretty cool. So fun little hikes like that. Since I've gotten my RV, had a lot of fun taking my wife on different experiences. She hadn't done really much RVing as a kid, as like I had. So we took a trip to Yellowstone. You know, <laughs> yeah. where, where do you think I got the hat? Um, <laughs> we took a trip to Yellowstone, had a lot of fun there. We were able to stay in an RV park because if you didn't know, Yellowstone the actual campsites, they book out years in advance almost, I think. It's it's really hard to get one inside Yellowstone. So mm -hmm. we were able to find an RV park that was a little bit outside of Yellowstone. But, you know, opportunity for anybody who has land. Seriously, there are a lot of people like me that are like, how do I get there? How do I get, you know, as close as we can? We were about an hour outside of the park, which wasn't too bad. We drove in got to see and, and experience the park throughout the day. And then we came back to the RV and made some dinner. It was great. We had a lot of fun with that. We've also done some more camping up in the central Idaho 
in the Sawtooth Mountain area with some friends, and that's been a lot of fun too. The first time we took the camper out, it's about 3 o'clock in the morning. We're in the middle of nowhere where we don't even have cell phone service. And I was asleep at the time, I think, and my wife grabs my arm and she wakes me up and she's like, is that somebody screaming? And I'm like, I listen for a second. And I'm like, no, no, I think that's the whistle pigs that are outside. You know, they're little rodents and whatnot. And they make this high pitched squeak really quick if you're not familiar with them and whatnot. And so she's like, oh, okay. And she goes back to sleep. And of course I'm like, I'm, I'm wide eyed like, was that somebody's screaming? Was I just making stuff up? <laughs> so I didn't sleep as well after that. But right. anyway, she went right back to sleep and I was like, man. <laughs> but anyway, so we've had some good experiences that way and it's always an adventure. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yep. I, that's, yeah, that's one of the things I love about the outdoors because I'm not, I, I'm not an RVer. I mean, I obviously deal with, with the job that I have, I deal with RVers every day. So I, I know kind of those experiences. I've been RVing myself. I mean, I've taken the boss or, or the owner of Curb and Turf. I've taken his RV out before and it's, it's and I love it. Like, yeah, when it's not your own RV, it's a little easier just because, well, <laughs> it's a little shit more stressful too, just because it's the boss's RV True. and you're like, okay, well, <laughs> and he's got a nice little setup too. His is yeah, all, has, all contained and, yeah. and small and easy to drive. My vehicle, when I drive it, is about forty-one feet long, so it's a bit of a, a more more of a vehicle to navigate, which is also yeah. another learning experience: is how to drive with this mm. big weight on your back too. So that's different. Yeah, cool. That is different because I, I I wasn't used to that initially either because I was like, okay, well. It's just, you know, you have to, once you get in that, once you get in that mindset, I guess, I'm not, or, you know, just that, you know, that, how you, what am I trying to I think say? mindset's a good way to say it. Yeah. You have to get, you know, get wrapped your head around the fact that you've got this longer vehicle. Yes. You need to take your turns wider. You need mm -hmm. to plan ahead for stopping, for a stop sign, for example. Yes. If somebody and cuts I, you off, you know. After you stop cursing, then, you know, you think about what you need to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, cause I, I remember when I just driving an RV, like where I would plan, I'd have to plan what gas stations I was going to, just because yes. I was just worried about, okay, well, I don't want to, like, I want the most space possible kind of thing. So I was like, I'm going to go for the less crowded. It wasn't like, I wasn't even looking for the cheapest gas. I was looking for oh, yeah. like the less crowded. <laughs> When you're driving an RV, you're like, I just want gas. I don't even, <laughs> I'm not even worried about how much it costs. It's when you're hauling hauling something with a truck or, or even yeah. if you have an RV, you know. Yeah, depending on your truck. I hear the diesels do a lot better, but my yeah. truck is not a diesel. So my gas mileage <laughs> drops to about a third of what it is normally. And I've had a couple of times where I'm like, I got a quarter of a tank left. I think I can make 20 miles on that. <laughs> Which is yeah. really crazy to say that, but where, where you're like, I think I'm going to make that next stop, but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're always like, okay, white knuckling. You're like, okay, here I go. <laughs> so, yeah. And then you get better at it as you go. You, you find out how much you can do, whether you're going to be in the hill terrain or mm -hmm. more flat plain terrain, you're going to get different gas mileage on those different areas. So that's another thing to take into consideration. Yep. So it's pretty wild. 
Yeah. So another question I have, what are some places you'd like to, to visit in the future with your RV? Well, my, my end goal, I should say the bucket list goal is to take a cross country RV trip, which I think would be excellent. My brother lives in Georgia and I'd love to take the RV all the way over there. He has an RV as well. And that would be pretty cross country for our, for us here in Idaho. But that'd be a lot of fun. We also, my wife wants to go to Glacier National Park. I also do too. I guess I shouldn't say just my wife. We both want to go to Glacier. That'd be a lot of fun. I'd like to go. I've been to it before, but Grand Canyon area would be great. Utah area, Canyonlands, Arches National Park. Those would be great. Monument Valley in Arizona would be a lot of fun. California coast. I mean, I could keep listing for a while. There, there's so many places and it opens <laughs> up uh, a lot of uni- unique, uh, unique places you can go that you don't normally see, which is really fun. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that's a lot of people there where they want to, you know, they don't want to confine themselves to a specific area. That's the whole point of having an RV. You exactly. want to go where you want. Right. And you don't want to be restricted on where you could stay at. So again, like another, another reason why curb and turf, why we're important in the, in this marketplace and absolutely and what we're trying to do. Yeah. And you know, things like that, when you're, when you're looking at sites, for example, and you go to recreation.gov, for example, and you look at all the government sites and they've got tons of them, they, they are all over the place. And most of them have that little FF symbol, which means first come first serve. That means if you get there, there might be a spot, but you have no guarantee, which makes it really hard to plan a longer trip like that because you're like, okay, if I can't find a spot, am I parking in Walmart parking lot, for example, which might be interesting, you know, or, or where, where might you park it? And, you know, a a system like curb and turf or, or anything like that, you know, would, would give you that ability to say, yep. Here on this date, I've got a site reserved. I know where I'm going to be. I know I can make it there. You know, it it just gives you that extra ability and confidence. And, you know, we have a a trip planner built into our system where you can plan Mm -hmm. a multi-stop trip like that and, and, you know, plan your cross country, for example. So all kinds of great things. That's a good point because those are features that a lot of people don't realize that we have ways to where you get have a trip planner, you have your checklist, like you mentioned, we, you, you're able to look up rest stops, you're able to look up hookups, dump sites. And so like, there's just, there's just a lot of information that we provide to, to our viewers on, on the platform on, on yeah. the, that. And I did not realize there's a dump site within a mile of my house. And I didn't realize it until I looked in our own app, which mm-hmm. was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so. there's lots of things where I, like I, didn't realize just looking at the app or looking at, cause there's tons. That's one of the great things I love about the app is that we have rest stops. We have places where you can look for dump sites, but not only that, we have locations for boondocking and those that are listening, can you describe what boondocking, what that is exactly? Absolutely. So boondocking is a term, which you can also refer to it as dry camping. It basically means off-grid, somewhere where you have no hookups. And a lot of times, that's somewhere that's also free camping. There's a lot of these sites around the country, and we have a lot of them loaded into our system and our app, where you can find a location that is usually off the beaten path, but again, will be completely free, but really won't have any services. 
And we leave these sites up to our community of, of curb and turfers to somewhat maintain and fill in any information that we haven't been able to source ourselves. But the great thing about these kind of boondocking sites is you could be at a host site getting all your services, getting hookups, fill-ups, dumps, you know, electricity, and then the next day you could go to a complete off-grid site, somewhere maybe that you really wanted to go to as well, um, and, and just camp for free. And that's a service that our app provides as well. And it's one of the things that I really enjoy about RVing and camping as well is the boondocking or the dry camping, just being off grid, being disconnected. As you know, Dustin, you know, you and I were, we're on the computer most of the week for our jobs. So it's lovely to just get out of town and leave the computer at home because we don't actually have power, you know? So there's no reason to take that. We don't have cell service, you know, so nobody's going to call you. And you can just, you know, sit and enjoy nature. One of the other things that I love doing while boondocking is I'm kind of into astronomy as well. So I will take a telescope and set that up. And if you're in the back country where there's no lights, you can see a lot of things you normally do not see when you're in the, the normal city lights. And so it's a really fun experience. So got a campfire going in one corner and a telescope going in the other. And, <laughs> and I'm a pretty happy guy. But anyway, yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. What's been your experience with boondocking? So I did a lot of boondocking, almost exclusively boondocking, in fact, with my dad when I was younger, mostly in the in the Sawtooth Mountain area. So up near Sun Valley, Idaho, Stanley, Idaho, those kind of areas, which those are, especially you get into the Stanley, Idaho area and Stanley, Idaho, for those who don't know, is a town of about 70 people. Maybe it's grown since then, but it's a really small town and it's hours from anything anything else. I think there's a gas station and a convenience store, really, and a couple of houses. But otherwise, you're off-grid. And so that's a lot of fun, I think, to kind of do that. And then since I've gotten my RV as well, we've done a, a bit of boondocking as well around the Sun Valley area. And we have a, another friend that has another RV, and we'll, we'll go up and we'll do, we'll do boondocking, completely off-grid, free site, no cost, except for whatever it takes to get our RV there. And we'll just meet him at a, a campsite there and you know have it in the mountains and gotten some pretty pretty cool photos that i've i've taken of these sites and i've posted some of these sites as boondocking sites on curb and turf as well so that anybody else can experience those but don't take all my sites i, I want to be able to go there when, when i want to be, so. <laughs> just saying but yeah that's that's been a lot of fun so we've done that for the last couple of years we've met met up with a couple friends up there and, and done that and then we're just working on expanding our, our network of, of different sites that we, we know and are comfortable with, too, including curb and turf sites, boondocking sites, RV parks. We're just exploring, and that's the fun of it. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. And that's the whole point of it. That's the whole one of the reasons why we're wanting to have this service or you know this platform so people could go out, experience things, they could disconnect, they could enjoy you know time in nature, you know, just like, you know, like you, like you, you know, obviously yeah. just kind of gain their own experiences and, and, and share that, share that with other people too. Cause you know, there's a lot of, I think, you know, what used to be where you try to keep things a secret where it's just like, okay, I have my secret place where I'm going to, and we want to share that yeah. to people. And I know that's some people may not like that, but you know, we're getting to where nothing's a secret, especially with, the way, t way technology is, the way, 
you know, the internet. So it's just, you know, eventually it's going to be found. So, yeah, yeah, it, it is the information age for sure. That's why we need, you know, more hosts and more people to share their land. There's a lot of RVers out there. A lot of people that bought their RVs during the the COVID pandemic that need a place to park it now. They're finding that, especially weekends, really hard to find a boondocking site unless you've gone up a day or two early or gone up on Sunday and planned to boondock throughout the week. It can be quite challenging. Very big opportunity for anybody that has land and wants to be able to share that with RVers. And, you know, we've talked to, to various hosts and some of them do it because they want the money. Some of them do it because they like meeting the people that come to their, their area, which is also another, another reason that people enjoy it. So yeah. So we have, I just love interacting with the hosts as well, just because a lot of people don't realize that a lot of, a lot of these people are own agritours, like tourist business. They, they have, they're using this as a supplementary income where they're trying to sometimes, especially now where farmers are having a hard time keeping crops with the way inflation is prices are some are selling off their cattle so there yep. there needs to be ways where they could actually supplement their income have that passive in- way of of making money just because they it's a, you know yeah it's a different paradigm shift for a farmer to go from just straight farming to creating kind of an experience for people that would come there we know of of vineyards here locally that will allow you to camp you can do you know weddings on the vineyard grounds you can do wine tastings on the vineyard grounds there's uh, a couple places around here where they have flower farms you can just go and get a bucket and pick your own fresh flowers out of the flower farm which is also really fun so you know really cool experiences like that that a lot of i think a lot of people would enjoy rvers and really anybody as well as like you said providing supplementary income to anybody who's a farmer or has the land to be able to host which is great yep it's just a really cool like a symbiotic like relationship if you think about it just because you have these RVers that really want to have these experiences and there's probably these farmers that may have not even thought about this and before we're just like wow there's a you know because there's tons of people there's millions literally millions of people that are looking to for places looking for ways to get out and that's one of the reasons why you know we are looking for hosts and we want more options for those RVers that's super important and I can say that I've definitely wanted to go out and have been like, eh, I, I don't want to try and find a site. I don't want to have to deal with that worry. It's not worth the the prep to go and then have to come back. So I've definitely had that experience of, uh, I don't know if there's a place to go this weekend, as much fun as it would be, you know? So, yeah. Is there anything else that you can't, we missed or that you'd like to discuss, Scott? I think we've kind of... I mean, yeah, I was just looking over my notes to see if there was anything that uh, that I can think of that we hadn't talked about yet either. But uh, so yeah, it, it's been great. Well, I have been enjoying my RV. Look forward to more trips in it, as well as uh, you know more more fun experiences in that regard too. So, well, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Again, I'd like to thank you, Scott, for giving your experiences and and your stories about RVing just because I think it's important for other people to kind of gain insight from, from your point of view as well. Cause there's definitely things that I took away that I never thought about before either looking forward to future episodes or what we're going to be doing. Basically we're going to be focusing on agritourism businesses, 
just to make sure that we're able to help farmers, vineyard owners, any any agritourism business, we want to help. And we feel like we could add a huge benefit to, to your business. So if you do have a land that you're willing to, to have RVers stay on, please go to our website. And then that way we could actually help you gain more income. And that's going to help everyone, you know, and I think that's what's really cool about our platform. So as always, thanks for, thanks for listening to the recurring plot and we look forward to, to talking to you next time. Thanks for listening to the recurring plot presented by Curb and Turf. Curb and Turf works like Airbnb, but we help RVers to find land where they can park when they're traveling. Make more money from your land. Please visit curbandturf.com to list your property.